Well, open your Bibles this morning, if you would, please, and we're glad that you're here, and um, to Acts chapter 2, and um, just for the next few weeks, we're staying in our series, um, and our theme for the year is that we care, and it, you know, it's, we just want us all to get it, that uh, we, you know, being Christians mean we care, and there's some great value in some things that we care about, and we certainly care about each other. Everybody say amen to that. We've got to care about each other. We've got to care about what each other is, are going through, the needs that we have. And we certainly also, we know that we need to care about the lost. And if we don't care about the lost, we're just not doing what we're supposed to be doing as Christians, right? And so, and now we're looking at, at, at our church. And when I say our church, we're talking about us, the people, right? We learned last week. And, and again, I know you know this, but, um, um, we're not an institute. We're not an institution. Everybody say amen. We're a group of people who believe the message of Jesus Christ and should be yielded to the Holy Spirit. And thus we know that we are part of this movement. And what do movements do? Is they move, right? And so I want us to look at Acts chapter 2 and look at an important, important um, um, doctrine or teaching, if you will. And, and please don't act like you know, well, maybe I shouldn't say it like that because I don't want to offend you, you know, but um, we're going to be looking at the Holy Spirit. We're going to be looking at this day of Pentecost, and we're going to be looking about exactly what happened when the Holy Spirit come and, and, and how it caused these people to move. To, to, again, they were arrested. Remember we used that word last week that they were arrested? We talked about Nell and when she got arrested here a couple of years ago. And what that, I'm just kidding, Nell. <laughs> now, if you don't know Miss Nell, she's, raise your hand. She got me last week and she says, preacher, don't you be doing that. And she said, I know you're just picking on me. But uh, anyways, um, but, you know, I was thinking about, you know, but but that movement is, is that that we're arrested. Our hearts and our minds are arrested about the message of Jesus Christ. Again, that we believe what Acts chapter four, verse 12 says that there's no other name in which man can call upon to be saved except through the name of Jesus Christ. H- has that arrested you? Do, do you? do we get that, that there's no works there's, there's, there's no other name. There's no other religion out there. It's only Jesus Christ. And, and, and look, we are a movement that move and we take that message that we're arrested by in our minds and our hearts to everywhere with the, to ever, to everywhere that we go. And if you're not doing that, then you're not part of the movement. You're either a missionary. You're, if you're here this morning, and if you if you're saved, you're either a missionary or you're a fraud. If you're not part of the movement. And so we saw last week that there had to be a yielding to that. And so this morning I want us to look at Acts chapter two and see what took place for this movement to move. Because look. No matter what we can do in ourselves isn't going to get anything done. Something else has to do it. We sang about it this morning, and it's about, it's about Jesus Christ being in us. Now, I want to pick up and put this into context, if you would, please. Now, go with me to Acts chapter 2, and I want us to look at a few words, and we'll put this into context and, and exactly what this means. Because we, we see what the church is in verses 1 to, to 12 and then we see an Old Testament uh, scripture that Peter um, quotes in verses 17 to 21. And then we see the message that was propelled 
okay? And then, of course, we understand the Holy Spirit that comes. But notice chapter 2, verse 1. It says, when the day of Pentecost had come. Let's stop right there. What is the day of Pentecost? Well, the day of Pentecost is the day that is celebrated that the Holy Spirit comes. Okay, so when you see this word Pentecost, that's what that means. And that's the seventh week after Easter. So it's June 4th for this year. And you get it? Okay. And again, you know, it's something that we need to know. But but again, we celebrate the Holy Spirit every day because we have the Holy Spirit, right? You see, in the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, um, the Holy Spirit did not indwell in people. Listen close. Because this is important for us to understand. Um, God resided in the Holy of Holy. It was an external relationship between people and God, external only. But as we see now in the New Testament, God had told these these disciples to go and wait, and then the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And so they were to go and stay and pray for those days and weeks and months and all those days about about when the Holy Spirit comes. And then we see here in Acts chapter 2 what's going on. But in the Old Testament, whether you're a prophet, a judge, or someone who that God used you to do something special, they were, they were never dwelt inwardly with the Holy Spirit. First of all, it was only temporary if the Holy Spirit come upon, upon them, not in them, to do something in their life. But now that Jesus Christ has come and he has died, and he is risen again, and he's ascended to heaven, and now he sends himself again. Remember, God is the Trinity. God is the Holy Spirit. God is Jesus Christ. Everybody say amen. There's not three gods. And so now God is going to take himself through that avenue of the Holy Spirit and place it upon every believer. All right? Now, again, look with me at Acts chapter 2. And it says, and here, here comes the Holy Spirit. And suddenly there came from heaven a noise like a violent rushing wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Wouldn't you just love to have been there? I mean, you're saying, okay, pastor, why don't this happen now? Well, we're going to get to some things here, but remember the Holy Spirit never lived here on the earth in people. This is the first time that the Holy Spirit, that God has coming from heaven to earth to, to finally take its right dwelling, and that's us because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And so, yes, it was a special time. And yes, special things happened because there was never this done before. Okay, you kind of getting it here? And so, and so verse 3, And there appeared to them tongues as of fire distributing themselves, and they rested on each of them. Okay? And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit was giving them utterance. Now, there were Jews living in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven. So there's, there's a lot of different people um, that were there, different nations, different tongues that were being spoke. And when, the, and when this sound occurred, in other words, these tongues, the crowd came together and were bewildered because each one of them was hearing them speak in their own language. So in other words, if you were from Japan and I was from United States of America, when they spoke, I heard it in my own language, and I could understand them. 
They were speaking their language, if you will, but God had interceded and everyone was hearing everybody in their own language. Isn't that just a cool thing? Okay, we'll get into some of that here in just a minute, but not too much of it. And it says, they were, they were amazed and astonished, saying, why are not all those who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we each hear them in our own language to which we were born? And then, of course, it goes in verse 9, 10, and 11, and it's just naming the people and the countries um, to where they were from. Now, just to make a little bit of application from this, and this is it, is that one of my prayers and deepest hope over this series is that we might become more of a spirit-filled church. Everybody say amen. You know, we're a great church, and, 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 but I, I just, my greatest prayer for us is that we will be arrested by the message and that we'll be yielded to the Holy Spirit. But most of all, that we'll just become more of a spirit-filled church. Now, look, look at me. I'm not talking about crazy stuff, okay? We're not going to paint flames down the side of the van, all right, to put, put revival on there. We're, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to change my wife's title to, you know, Pastor Tommy, and we're, you know, certainly not going to make her, you know, have that big hair and and all that makeup to where she looks like she lost a paintball fight with the junior high class. But, but, uh, but what we're saying here is simply this: is that when we're talking about about being spirit filled, we're just talking about one word here. Everybody, listen. It's called submitting to the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Submit ourselves to him. And so this morning, let's talk about this. How did, how did, how did these disciples, and then how did this event happen here? We're going to look at Acts chapter 2. How did, how did this happen? How did this propagate? How did this propel? How did this movement move? There's a formula here in Acts chapter 2 that each one of them did. And because each of them did this, and this was their yielding, okay, then they were able to take that message, and 3,000 got saved, and 5,000 got saved. And then before their death, these apostles, the whole known world was reached for Christ. That's a movement. A movement doesn't stay here. A movement doesn't come here on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights and just stays right here. No, we come here on Sunday mornings corporately to get our charge. We come here on Sunday mornings to, to hear from the pastor, to worship, to have great music, to give our tithes and our offerings. But we come here to get our charge, our charge, our charge so that we can go out there and be the movement that God has called us to be. Amen. I was thinking about this, and I'm still building up a little bit here. Um, I was thinking about this. Well, let's let's look at a, let's look at Acts chapter two, um, verse twelve first, and, and I want to I want to share this with you. Look at verse twelve, and it says. Um, and all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said they were filled with new wine. And, 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 um, but Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. And he said, men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you. And now this is, this is, this is Peter. And, and, and give ear to my words. He says, for these people are not drunk, 
as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day. Now, remember, for the Jews, their their day started, our time would be 6 a.m. So 6 o'clock, 6 o'clock is when it it started. So this was 9 a.m. So um, he said, uh, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And he explains to him that it was prophesied of what would happen. And so so verse 17, in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all the flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall see dreams. So upon the arrival of the Holy Spirit, it came and it filled every believer. Are Are we together? You know, they were, they were prophesying. Uh, they were foretelling to each other. They were, they were witnessing to each other. And all these signs and these great wonders had happened. And, 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 and that happened to them on that day. They got full of the Holy Spirit. And look, when we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Savior, we have the same uh, um, Holy Spirit that comes and takes residence in us. It's there. If you're truly saved, it's there. And it's going to help you propagate. It's going to make you propagate. It's going to propagate the message. But our hearts have to be arrested. Our minds have to be arrested. And we have to be yielded to that because they were. And that's why they were successful in not making church an institution, a club, but instead the movement in which God intended it to be. Remember, Jesus started it, and he moved with it to the disciples, and now the disciples or the apostles now are to take it to all, and the Holy Spirit takes residence, and then they're to keep moving and taking that message and seeing people saved, right? So look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Now, think about this, and I thought about this. In the Old Testament, there are a group of books called the prophets. Everybody got me? You got the minor prophets and you got the major prophets, right? What exactly are those books about? These books are named after people, and it records their words and their deeds as they were led by the Spirit. You know, there should be a book that should be written about all of us. Now, we're not going to call it Scripture because the Scripture's done. But there should be a book that we should be able to write about ourselves, about our words and our deeds of our lifetime and how God moved in us and through us and what was accomplished in that movement for Jesus Christ. You know, your life is a book, and I wonder exactly how much that is the Holy Spirit. Make sense? All right, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. There are some things that all of these people did, this yielding that allowed them to take this movement and be successful with it. And we see in Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. Now, in verse 22, I love this, and, and, and here's the message. And it's, I want to go ahead and read verse 22. Uh, men of Israel, and here's the message. Listen to these words. 
Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God with miracles and wonders and sign, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death. Talking about our second death, you see it? Since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. And then he quotes the Old Testament here, and he says in verse 29, Brethren, I may confidently say to you regarding the patriarch David that he both died and was was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. That's the message. Right now, go to verse 42, and here's what they did. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. There it is. Everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possessions and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, the breaking of bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. Number one, the first thing they did that helped them to be successful in this movement, and we're going we're gonna to be short here, but the first one they did is, is, number one, is they devoted themselves to first the apostles' teachings. Now, everybody listen. The apostles' teaching, we see that in verse 42. Christianity, to be a follower of Jesus Christ, we have to understand that it is a word-based religion. Somebody, somebody say amen out there. It's a word-based religion. God has given us his word, and we must be students of his word. Again, our hearts must be arrested. Our minds must be arrested. We must be captured with, this, with the word of God, with this message. Um, look, and here's why. It's because our hearts are not naturally godly. And right, are they? Naturally, they're not. I mean, like John was saying, you know, whenever we look at something, usually what we first, we think we, you know, we're negative. We're negative. We're negative. Why is that? Because naturally, we're, we're, we're sinners, right? And we're born into sin, and we lived in this depraved world. But thank God that he saves us. And even though we still were, the, even though we have our old skin and our, that old nature, and, it, and you know, we, we can yield to that stuff and be full of the Holy Spirit. And, and the way that we do it is, is that we get into God's Word. We have to be in God's Word. Amen? And so these early believers, they were studying the apostles' teachings. 
They were in it every day. They broke bread with other believers every day. They studied it every day. They lived it every day because God's word was, God's word was everything to them. And look, it needs to be everything to us. You know, we need, you know, one thing you don't hear about a whole lot anymore is, is memorization of scripture. I think it is so important to memorize scripture. And that's why that on Wednesday nights with our children's ministry, that the big part, big part of it is scripture memorization that they can put God's word in their heart so they might not sin. So they may not, so they could yield themselves to the Holy Spirit so that they can die daily to, to themselves for God. Amen, everybody? It's important, but it's not just for kids. It's for all of us. We need to be in God's word. We need to be studying it, and we need to be memorizing it because God's word is important. All right? So they were successful. One way they yielded was is that they is that they, they got into God's word. They devoted themselves, that word devote, to that. You know, I think sometimes our, our culture says we find truth from within, and uh, you're not going to find truth there, folks. Deuteronomy chapter 6 says they put it on their door frames and they hid it in their hearts. And we got to put God's word in our minds and in our hearts. Number two, they were devoted to each other. Notice it says they gave themselves to each other. First of all, you see here what really church is. It's a group of people who covenant with each other and have officially organized as a church, as a local church, a local movement of people. And also each other, meaning we are in this movement together, meaning the focus is not on ourselves, but it's on God and others. Christians must be part of a church and move, devoted to the word and devoted to each other. Look, Christians without churches, those who do not move are like people without homes. Those who are homeless, listen, are not healthy, right? People who are homeless are not healthy people. And, and, and us, as, as if, if we call ourselves believers, we must be part of a local church because, because as a local church, we move together. And if we move together, then we're healthy people, right? But we have to give ourselves to each other. We have to give ourselves to one another. You know, I hear people say, I don't need the church. I don't, I, I don't think they realize that they do and how important it is. You know, when we have needs, we, we need to come and people see our needs and help. But I'm not talking about just financial stuff. I'm just saying, you know, that, that we have to have each other and we've got to move together. Amen. You know, I was reading here, and this kind of just stuck out to me. You know, the early church, they met in big groups of 3,000, and they met in small groups. They're together as 3,000, but verse 46 says, day by day they went places together, and they broke bread together in their what? Homes. The word together appears over and over again in these verses, and they're together praising God, together in their homes, together in their temple. They were together. What, what were they doing? They were moving. They were part of this movement that Jesus started, and, and, and they were moving, and they were, they, were, they, were, they were in the apostles' teachings, but they were also with giving uh, to each other. 
Big groups, again, they got their marching orders and they had their corporate worship and these small groups or Sunday school classes or these base classes, whatever. There was discipling and building relationships, loving and serving each other and serving one another. And that's what they were doing. You know, it's amazing to me how many people only evaluate church and, and Sunday school and small groups only by what they get out of it. Listen, I hear people say, well, I, I don't go to Sunday school. Or I'm not going to go to small groups because, you know, um, it's just not for me. I don't, I don't get anything out of it. Well, if that's why you're going to church, if that's the only reason why you're going, let me just rephrase it. If that's the only reason why you're going to church or the only reason that you go to Sunday school or the only reason you go to small group, it's not going to work. It's not only what you can get from it, but 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 it's 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 you putting yourself out there, and that's what the movement's about is about us giving ourselves to each other. Can I have an amen? Hey, give the Lord a hand, huh? Come on, give the Lord a hand. Yeah, you, you know. We can't be selfish when it comes to the movement because the movement's not about us. It's about Jesus. The movement's about other people who doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Savior. That's who it's about. It's about those who have needs. In our, in our small group at my house, and it's not really a small group anymore. We've got to split ours. We're, we've got a lot of people. And, 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 and one, one lady in our church, in our small group, she said, and of course she's a member of our church, she said, um, she says, uh, anybody know how to work on a washing machine? And, you know, several of us, you know, raised our hand up. And two days later, I get a phone call and another one in the group gave them a washer and dryer set. You know, it's just, you know, giving to each other, putting themselves out there. And, you know, I could go on and on and on. But, but look, you know, we need the local church. We, we, need, we need it, right? But look, we've got to know that we're in it for each other, devoted to one another. And we're devoted to those who have never come. We're devoted to those who have never heard the gospel. We're devoted to those in other countries through missions so that they can know Jesus Christ as our Savior. Yeah, we, we should have expectations of church and what it can do for us, but that's not the only reason that we have church or small groups or Sunday school classes. It's about, it's about us giving ourselves to that. Amen? Number three, number three, not only did they devote themselves to the apostles' teachings, not only did they uh, devote themselves to each other, but number three, God's presence, verse 42. They also believed that the Spirit of God was on each of them. Look, Paul would later explain that each one came to the gatherings ready to be used by the Spirit of God with words and insights for others. Look, in other words, when they come and they were devoted to God's presence, they came expecting something. Hey, when you go to your small groups tonight or this week, I want you to go with the expectation of God's presence. I want you to go with the expectation of God has something for you there, but that God has something for you to do there. When you go to Sunday school, you go with an expectation. When you come to church, and we said this several months ago, you go with an expectation. When you go to work, isn't God's presence with you now that you have the whole, go with an expectation. Go with an expectation when you when you when you go into the restaurant. Go in the expectation when you when you walk down the hallway and someone looks frowny. Go with an expectation that God can use me, that God has expectations of me. Say amen, everybody. 
I want you to notice this phrase here, and, and, and this is really good. Verse 43, and it says, in all, the King James says, fear come upon every soul. When God is present, there should be an awe. Does a spirit of all define our church? Does it define and what you expect when you go into your Sunday school class or to your small group? It should. I mean, look at the look at them. When they when they come together in the presence of God, it says, it says, awe or fear come upon every soul. Boy, I, I, I think we need that. When we walk into this auditorium to come worship together corporately, we ought to just be in a spirit of awe. And, and, and this fear means awe, you know, that, 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 that God is so big and so awesome and so perfect and so moving that, that, we're, that we're like, man, I get to be in this relationship, you know? I, I, I get to have this personal relationship with God. You know, when I get around my wife sometimes, you know, I'm just, I'm just in awe that this good-looking lady chose me, right? And I'm just like, you know, walking down the street and saying, you know, I got this awe going about that, yeah, you're all jealous of me. I get it. But I'm just kind of playing around a little bit. But, 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 but we should be so proud to be in God's presence, to have a relationship with him, that we should, sit, that we should be in a state of awe. Let me ask you. And again, um, I'm your pastor, and I love you very much, but we need to be in a state of awe, right? And then, and then, and then lastly, prayer. And prayer, they seem to feel intimate with each other, with God and their dependence upon God. They prayed, listen to me, and we're going to be done. They prayed all the time. You look in Acts, and this movement that moved, and they're yielding, and they're arresting of the message, and you look, and you see that they just didn't pray sometimes. They prayed all the time. They prayed. Someone gets into trouble, they prayed. They have a need, they prayed. They're scared, they prayed. Look, Jesus had left them in a state of total dependence right? He gave them the great commission and he told them to do nothing about it except pray until he came as the Holy Spirit. And for those 10 days, listen, for those 10 days, that's exactly what they do. They hunkered up in that house and they stayed there for 10 days. And what did they do? They prayed. And then Peter stands up to preach And he preaches for about 10 minutes, and 3,000 people got saved. (laughs) Can you say glory, hallelujah? Huh? For 10 days, and and look, for 10 days, preached for 10 minutes, 3,000 people were saved. We pray for 10 minutes, and we preach for 10 days, and three people get saved. I think we've got our zeros in the wrong place. And it says, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all of this leads to verse 47, which is the result, and that's evangelism. All these things are part of the message. And when you have a group of people devoted so much to the message, they'll suffer for it, no longer live for it for themselves, but give themselves to each other, and are so joyful in Jesus 
that they don't even need money, when they believe so strongly in God and their services are characterized by prayer and a sense of God's presence, you know what happens? Is people believes. People believes because Jesus is contagious. They were loving and praying and serving and giving. And most of the people who come to Christ, they don't do it here in this service. It's by you going out and being a witness and sharing the message of Jesus Christ. You know, I'm always thrilled to death when someone gets saved in the message. It pumps me up, you know. I mean, I, I, I can't sleep sometimes at night because it just, I mean, it really pumps me up. But, you know, but what I love even more than that is when one of y'all come to me and say, Pastor, I led somebody to the Lord. Pastor, um, this was going on, and I served here. And, Pastor, we, we want this, this ministry is on my heart. Man, that, that's, that's incredible. Everybody say amen. So all of this, being devoted to the apostles' teachings, um, being devoted to each other, being devoted to God's presence in that awe, and being devoted in prayer, you take all of that and that yielding, and that leads us to evangelism, and that propels us and moves us to be the movement that God has called us to be and do. Amen? So where does that find us at for Cornerstone for us this morning? I, I hope and I pray that that you're moving. And if there's one of these four puzzle pieces that's not present for you, I hope this morning that you'll find that out and you'll put it into your heart and that you'll devote yourselves to those things so that you can be um, just as part of that movement as anybody else is. Amen. All right, let's pray together. Father, we love you and we thank you for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we, we do Thank you, God, for just calling us into salvation and that we're part of your plan to take this message um, to people and to move with it and, and just to be in love with each other and to be in love with, with those who don't know Jesus Christ as Savior, Lord, that we're all convinced and, and we know that um, we're not an institution, but we're a, mo we're a movement with a message um, that the world needs to hear, that our family needs to hear. And uh, we just pray um, that our main focus will be in filled, being, being filled with the Spirit by submitting ourselves to you in all of these ways. We love you and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. If you would, stand with me this morning.